Welcome to Relation Fix, the podcast dedicated to creating healthy, happy, and passionate connections with our loved ones. I'm Shana Dubay, your host. Let's dive in. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome back to Relation Fix. I'm really happy to be here with you today, but I'm just going to take a second and breathe again because it has been a week. I don't know if anyone else has been going through similar things, but I just feel like kind of everything is hitting at once. It's just like one of those weeks. And so I'm just taking a minute and trying to take it all in and be in the moment. It's going to open me to other things. So (laughs) on that note, now that we've like taken a minute together, let's get into today's episode. Today, I'm going to talk about something that many of us do, and I know this because I see into your lives for a living. Um, Maybe that, and also because I'm a little bit guilty of this as well, and that is people-pleasing, people-pleasing behaviors. We're going to talk about that. It's going to be good. Don't worry. And I'm also listening to myself a little bit right now because they say you should teach what you need to learn, right? So here I am along with you. Remember to review, comment, subscribe, and share these podcasts. I want to help as many people as possible. And thank you so much for listening. I I can't tell you the gratitude that I have for you. What is people-pleasing? Well, the definition of people pleasing is interesting. So, I guess probably the best one that I found was that people pleasing is a personality trait arising from a person's strong urge to please other people even at their own expense. People pleasing is actually a form of unintentional manipulation. It's not anything that's malicious. People don't do it on purpose. But a person is so desperate to be liked and accepted that you end up trying to mold yourself into what you believe another person wants you to be in order to make sure that they don't leave you or abandon you. And that's really hard. It creates a lot of difficult behaviors. So where does this come from? Why do we even become people pleasers? Where does that come from? And actually, it's a trauma response. And most typically, it comes in childhood. So when we're born, we have one job, and that's learn how to be loved, and then we will survive. We will be safe. We'll be taken care of. But when you have parents, for example, let's say you have a parent that is really constantly stressed and takes out their frustration on you when they're overwhelmed then that can have a really negative consequence for you when you're trying to figure out how do I get them to take care of me so that I don't die. So let's say your dad had a hard day at work and he comes home, he gets dinner, you guys sit down together and you as a little kid says, I don't want this food. I want something different. Now, Let's be real. Most kids (laughs) don't say, mommy, daddy, I really would like to have something different for dinner, right? What What do kids say when they don't want something? They go, ew, this is disgusting. I don't want this. If they're young enough, they might even like take the food and throw it. 
but you get that picture. I mean, for all of us parents out there, we've all been there, right? My daughter says, that's disgusting on a regular basis about things that are clearly not disgusting to me as an adult, but to her little mind, that's what happens. But if your dad looks at this behavior and responds with high amounts of anger, yells, throws things, screams at you, maybe slams his fist down, the child is going to interpret this as very scary or potentially dangerous. And like, especially with dads, dads have that like dad voice. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody experience that? Like moms can yell and you might not like it, but there's something about a dad voice that like really gets you to like shape up when you're a kid. And so if you are interpreting your father at when he's yelling as he's dangerous, he might hurt me, then you're going to try to figure out how to make sure that doesn't happen again. So this is not an attack on dads. It's not an attack on parents. We all lose our shit once in a while. I know I, I just did last night. <laughs> so it happens to all of us. So don't worry about that at all. It probably doesn't have that much overall impact if you lose your shit every now and then. But what do you think it's like for a child if you're raised with a parent who reacts that way every time you did something that they didn't like or that they couldn't handle? What happens is, is it cultivates the need to be acutely responsive to what your parents want you to say or do and or we risk being unsafe or unloved. We learn intrinsically that what we really want is secondary to what other people want, particularly if our lives depend on them, such as in childhood. So if we're dependent on you, we're going to try to mold ourselves to make sure that we can get our needs met. Otherwise, it could be dangerous. It could be life-threatening. Love is our evolutionary advantage. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you'll have heard me say that a few times, but it really is. Connection is imperative to our survival. I mean this in a very literal way. When we're children, obviously, especially when we're baby babies, we need to be cared for or we would die. You, When you are born, you are highly dependent on your parents. If they did nothing, you would die. So we're highly dependent on them showing up for us. Connection and love is vital. And we know this biologically. And that's why as children, that's our job. That's what we try to figure out. Interestingly enough, it's not just in childhood. I don't know if anybody has heard of blue zones, but blue zones are the areas in the world where they have the largest groups of centenarians. So these are people who have hit 100 years old or older, and they're not just 100 years old. They're also vital people. So they're walking, they're talking, they have low rates of dementia, they're very healthy, they're vigorous, they're still communicating, they don't have Alzheimer's and all of these things. So there's actually five regions in the world with the largest groups of centenarians and they have been studied. So just as these areas are Okinawa, Japan, Loma Linda, California, Sardinia, Italy, Ikaria, Greece, and Nicoya, Costa Rica. 
Now, there's a lot of different components to why they manage to get to such ripe old ages and still be really functional, but they discovered that one of the most vital pieces is these social networks. They were vital to longevity. These people were actively socializing with friends and family. They have very full social lives, and it helps them maintain psychological and physiological well-being into later life. Actually, the most current research shows that loneliness and disconnection can reduce your lifespan by up to 15 years. 15, one five. That blew my mind. Community is vital to human beings. It's part of our survival. So you can see how needing to find ways to make sure that you are a part of a community would be incredibly important as a human being. And if you find that needing to manage other people's emotions or meet other people's needs, even at the expense of your own, would be preferable to a life of loneliness and disconnection. So you can really see how this happens. Fast forward to adulthood. So let's look at how this manifests as an adult. So obviously, we continue to form relationships our whole lives. So now we have partners and friends and larger families and we have children and we tend to mimic the same behavior in our new relationships and that is driven by shame. Shame shows up by believing that the person that you are deep down inside is not good enough and that you need to be someone or something different in order to be loved. That's what you learned. What I want and what I need, who I am, is secondary to what everyone else needs. And in order for me to be in connection, I have to put that to the side and pay attention to what they need more. Your self-worth becomes stitched to other people's behavior, which makes you inherently want to control it. So if you weren't in our, didn't listen to our needs episode, this is certainty and significance. 90% of people work from those two needs. Go back and listen to it. Even if you did listen to it before, it's a great overview to kind of have it refreshed in your mind. But this is 100%. I need to be significant and I have to have control over what happens. Otherwise, people are going to leave me. So oftentimes, the thought is I will do all of this for them so that they can't live without me and they never leave me. Eckhart Tolle, who is one of my favorite speakers and authors. I just love him. He says that this is the ego. The ego makes you believe you have no inherent worth and therefore you need to earn it. I need to figure out ways to be loved, to be accepted. So you use these skills that you learned in childhood to be incredibly responsive to the people around you. So we end up saying yes, 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 yes to all these people's requests when we really need to be saying no. So much of the stress that I see in my clients' lives are from people who have overextended themselves because they didn't want to say no to someone. They were worried about the other person's reaction. The problem with this is that what you unintentionally do is sow false seeds into these relationships. You've spent so much of the relationship pretending to be a different person 
not because you're mean or malicious in any way, but because you believe that you need to be a different person in order to be worthy of their connection, which means that the person that you're in a relationship often really has no idea who you even really are. They don't know your authentic self. And the person who people pleases oftentimes don't know who they are either. They've spent so much time kind of focusing on what everyone else needs in order to try to keep connected that they've sacrificed their inner knowing of themselves. When I ask clients to focus on themselves, tell me about your dreams. Tell me about your wishes. What do you want to experience in your life? I cannot tell you how often people can't tell me. People with people-pleasing tendencies cannot tell me about their own wants and needs because they're so focused on everyone else. Ultimately, the biggest problem with this cycle is that it really can only last so long. We can't maintain it because we can only abandon ourselves for so long before the facade needs to come down. Over time, you begin to feel more and more resentful to the person that you're attempting to please. Like I'm doing all of these things for you and you don't even appreciate it, but they don't recognize that what you're doing is sacrificing for them. You're sacrificing yourself because they can't see the inner side. So Brene Brown found that in her research, resentment is actually a function of envy, not anger, which kind of blew my mind. What happens is that you're actually envious of this other person who you feel does not have to work so hard to be happy, to be connected, to be loved, and you're doing all of this for them and they aren't making your life any easier. It's an internalized function, but we don't see it that way because we're externally focused. Or you feel that they expect so much from you, we can even kind of fall into this feeling of being a martyr. Like, I've sacrificed everything for you. You should be so grateful and you should never leave me because I've done everything for you. And we know that that actually doesn't work most of the time. People pleasing can actually erode trust and relationships. When you aren't genuine in your interactions with other people or end up holding your actions against them due to the resentment that's building up, it can create massive amounts of distrust. So you can kind of see how this is a bit of a recipe for disaster in relationships. And the hardest thing about that is it actually came from a way to survive. It came out of trying to cope with and make sure that you were safe and cared for. But once you get older and you get into different relationships, those skills no longer hold up because you can only deny yourself for so long before you can't keep that facade up anymore. So once you let the facade down and those false seeds are made aware to the other person, they kind of start saying things like, this isn't how you used to be, or you were so different in the beginning, or I don't even know you anymore. If you add this to all of the resentment and distrust, it's no wonder that so many relationships fail. Once that happens, usually the person with the people-pleasing tendencies says, see, when I show my real self, I get rejected. And what that does is that it actually 
enhances the belief of their own worthlessness and perpetuates the cycle to start again and again and again. It becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. But what they don't realize is how much that need to try to become someone else actually fed into the relationship breaking off. Because you can't form a genuine loving connection with someone if they don't know who you are. So how do we stop the cycle? We don't have to continue this way. I don't know about you, but (laughs) it's a pretty terrible cycle. I've been there. And for those of you who understand this type of cycle, it's really painful. It's painful for the person that you're with. It's painful for you. And I just, I'm amazed that so much of this came out of just wanting to be safe and loved. But the good thing is, is it just, we can learn. We can grow. That's also a basic need. Growth. If you're living, you want to grow. If you're not growing, you're dying. And so we can grow and change and not perpetuate this cycle. I have a bunch of tools for you today, but first I want to start with some things to remember, some perspectives to keep in your head about this type of behavior. Not everyone you are in relationship with is the same. Most people are actually quite different from those that we learned these coping skills from, and they can cope quite well with their own emotions. You don't need to manage other people's emotions for them. Just remember the line, they can cope, they can cope, they can cope. In fact, you have to do it all the time, don't you? Every time you feel disappointed, every time you feel sad, every time you feel left, every time you feel rejected, Who has to cope with it? You do. You have to cope with it. And they do too. They can. They can do that. You don't have to save them from that. Allow them to cope with their own emotions and manage their own feelings. There are many, many different ways that you can show and demonstrate how important people are for you without abandoning yourself and your own authenticity. We talk about validation, appreciation, and praise. All of those things are beautiful ways to show people how much they mean to you without saying, I have to do everything this other person wants me to do. Contribution is actually the opposite of people-pleasing. From the outside, the actions often look exactly the same, but internally and the intention behind the action is the opposite. People-pleasing is an attempt to gain significance and worthiness from another person. So you're acting outside of yourself for an internally focused gain. So you're looking to gain something from this action. I need you to make sure that you're not going to leave me, so I'm going to do everything I can to keep you here. Contribution is the opposite. Contribution is giving of yourself for the benefit of the other person without expecting something in return. It's externally focused in the way of serving someone else or something else that's bigger than just you. It's not looking for significance or worthiness. And the last thing is people are attracted to authenticity. They really are. If you've ever been around someone who's super fake, you know, if they're like weirdly gushy, it's icky, right? It's, it's a weirdly icky feeling. Most people don't want to be around it. So you will actually attract more real people and real relationships 
when you are your authentic self and you'll feel better about yourself as well. And the more authentic you are, you're not sowing any false seeds, the more likely you are to keep these relationships as well. Because people want to be there. They know who you are. They understand who you are. They understand your boundaries. They understand what your expectations are. They know how you'll show up and how you won't. These people will then make the choice whether or not they want to be in that space based on who you really are. So you know that they're there because they want to, not because of what you can do for them. Let's talk about some tools. Saying no. So I just want to say that No is a complete sentence. It's okay to just say no, but it is awkward, right? But saying no when you need to say no allows you to say yes when you really want to say yes. And then you go into that task or that event or that moment with your whole heart because you know you authentically want to be there. Saying no can be awkward. It can be scary. It can be hard especially if you are in the habit of people-pleasing. And so these are some of the things that I've learned that kind of help me when I'm moving into people-pleasing mode. Mel Robbins had this really cool tool called switch from a yes to a pause. So it kind of looks like this. Hey, I want you to come over tonight for dinner. But you know, inside, I have work to do. I have things I have to get done. Oh my God, I just did this yesterday. I had a bunch of people stop over and I knew that I had a podcast to record. I knew that I had work that needed to be done. I had another outline that hasn't finished. And I said, yes, instead of saying no. So see, you're not the only ones working on this. I'm doing it too, right? But if we switch from a yes to a pause, a pause can look like this. I'll get back to you about that. Thank you so much for inviting me. I just have to check my calendar. Something like that. It's a pause. It gives you the opportunity to actually assess how you really feel or to really look at your space and say, do I have space for this? If it's a no, then you can send that answer when you're not under the pressure of talking directly to them or giving them an immediate answer. There's a life coach by the name of Cheryl Richardson who is really amazing. I know I say this about all these people when I'm talking that you should check into their work, but In reality, you really should because she is amazing. But she has this way of saying no to people that I think is beautifully crafted and does not force you to feel like you need to justify it. A lot of times that's what happens when we want to say no is we feel like we have to justify it. And sometimes we don't have a reason. You don't need to justify it. So this is what Cheryl does. So let's say someone invites you to something. I want to want you to come to dinner. Can you help me move? Um, I have this event I'd like you to come to, and you don't want to go. And it can be for any reason. It could just be, I just want to sit on my couch and watch Netflix. Or it could be, I have another obligation. But we tend to over-explain ourselves so that the other person doesn't feel hurt. But her line sounds like this. Thank you so much for inviting me to your event or your moving or your dinner or whatever, fill in the blank with whatever it is. Thank you so much for inviting me to your event. Although I won't be able to attend, I do wish you the best of luck with it. I was like, dang, that's like, that's really good because it's very clear. You can't come. You're thanking them. 
It's very gentle. You're not over explaining. It's beautifully crafted. And if it's a friend, that sounds a little formal for a friend, but sometimes it's like, hey, thank you so much for thinking of me. Although I'd love to be able to be there for you. Unfortunately, I can't, but I wish you the best of luck with your move. Or I hope the move goes well. That's it. It's very finite. Now, could somebody say, well, why can't you do it? Or I really need you to. Or yeah, of course they can. And then at that point, you get to decide if you're going to say something more. But most of the time, that space is enough. And they just go, okay, well, Shana can't come. Love that. Another very important piece of moving out of people-pleasing tendencies is setting boundaries. I talk about boundaries with my clients all the time. I talk about it with myself all the time. Boundaries are one of the most important things that we can do in order to be compassionate, caring people. Brene Brown, when she talks about boundaries, she says that they are the path to self-respect. In her work, the most compassionate and empathetic people in the world, we're talking monks and priests and people that serve the world. The thing that all of these people had most in common were they were the most boundaried people that she studied. Boundaries are very simple. This is okay with me. This is not okay with me. This is the consequence if that line is crossed. For an example, I was in a group chat. I had like a long group text. Okay, let me start that again. So for here, for an example, I was in a group text with a bunch of other people. And this was back when COVID was kind of really taking off and there was all this stuff going on about where it had come from and China's involvement and all these different things. And a lot of them started to have some kind of, what I felt was hate speech a bit towards China and whatever you feel about people, I firmly believe that dehumanization or talking negatively about people that way is wrong. Even if I don't like them, I have very strong opinions about some of our leaders and some of our, the people who are in charge of our country, of the world. I have very strong opinions, but I work so hard not to get involved in things like name calling or slurs or slander, that type of thing, because I feel that it's dehumanizing. And dehumanization is just the beginning of making other people less than. And that is not helpful And it allows us to do whatever we want, to say whatever we want to these other people because they're less than us. So in this group text, I kind of felt like things were going this way. It wasn't super bad, but it was bad enough for me to sort of take notice and say, oh, this feels yucky. This is kind of going in a direction I don't want it to go. And so I said to the group, I'm going to ask you kindly not to use these type of references because I, I think they're kind of hateful. And if you continue, then I'm going to have to leave the group. And long story short, I left the group because they felt that they want, were justified in talking that way and they wanted to keep going in that direction. And so I did, I left the group and that's a boundary. And 
I did feel a little sad about it in some way because there's other things that we talked about that I really wanted to be privy to, but I had to make a choice. It's a boundary. I don't take part in dehumanization. I just don't. And so I want you to do this for yourself. Take a minute after you listen to this. If you are in a place where you can pause this, maybe grab it right now. Grab a sticky note. If you can get a post-it or a sticky note or even just a piece of paper with a piece of tape, whatever, we can go old school. I want you to write down one to three people on it whose opinions really, really matter to you. People who you know truly love you, have your best interests at heart, will talk to you about things that are bothering them kindly. They don't judge you. They respect you. They don't shame you or criticize you. People that are really important. And generally speaking, we've got like one to three as adults. Write their names down on that sticky note and put that up against the wall. Put it somewhere you get to see it. Put it on your bathroom mirror. Put it in your car. Put it somewhere you're going to see it. Take take a picture of it and put it as a screensaver on your phone so you have it with you all the time because God knows we always have our phones, right? (laughs) I know I do. When you feel worried or you start moving into people-pleasing mode and you start saying, yes, 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 all these things, which we know is fueled by the need to be liked, I want you to ask yourself, is the person I'm worried about one of these people on my sticky note? If the answer to that question is no, then it doesn't matter because they can cope. Be authentic. Say what you need to say. Not that you shouldn't be authentic with the one to three people, but let them cope. Say no. Use one of the other tools. It's okay to disappoint people once in a while. They can cope. You may actually be enabling them to come back and use their own skills and their own beliefs and their own values to find a way through. They can cope. Thank you all so much for being here for this episode. This is so important to me because I want to have deep, beautiful, meaningful relationships in my life. And I know you all want the same thing. The quality of your life really is the quality of your relationships. Use these skills. Don't fold. Be your authentic self. There's no one else in the world like you. You're the only you there is. And the world needs you. So show up. Discover who you are. Spend time focusing on your wants and needs. I'm not saying forget everyone else. I'm saying you don't have to hustle for your worthiness. You are inherently worthy already. You don't need to earn it. Show up as your authentic self and people will want to be with you. The thing that you learned when you were young is no longer true. You can do this. That's tough. But you know what? I really believe that's true. These are things I have to tell myself all the time. And when you can start to believe this, that you are of inherent value yourself, you don't need to people please because you know that the people who really love you and value and want to be with you will be with you. Until next time, I hope you guys use some of these tools. Please leave a comment. 
Let me know if you try any of them out. I would love to know what you guys think. Be well and see you next time. If you want to share your experience, write a comment or contact us on Instagram at relationfixpod or email us at relationfixpodcast at gmail.com and tell us about it. All this information will be available in the show notes as well. If you like this episode, don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, and share it with your loved ones. 